Welcome once again to another fantastic episode of the Business Creators Radio Show. We help business creators like you win at the game of business and marketing so you can thrive from your intersection of your brilliance and your passion and make a difference for your community, market, and audience. Please take a moment and visit our website, www.businesscreatorsradioshow.com. You'll find hundreds of episodes covering a breadth and depth of topics relevant to you as a business creator and links to subscribe via your favorite network so you get fresh episodes delivered straight to you. And now, here's today's episode. Let's get started. My name is Adam Homie. I am your host, and I am once again honored by your wise decision to tune in and invest in yourself today. Here at the Business Creators Radio Show, we go where you go. When you discover those mastermind moments, those conversations that give you the big ahas that move you ever so much closer to your intersection of your brilliance and your passion. Today, we're coming to you from one of our high-tech studios, which happens to be the couch in my living room, where I'm hanging out with one of my office supervisors, Princess Stella Juliana, who is right now purring like a diesel truck, is she shares my excitement about today's topic, which is building the ultimate marketing agency. Oh, that's an interesting topic. I've seen so many folks who have endeavored to create digital marketing agencies, podcast booking agencies. We can go down the line of different types of agencies that work with entrepreneurs, small businesses, large businesses, corporations, etc., to enhance their marketing. And we have somebody here today who's going to give us a perspective that I personally am very excited to see, and I trust may give you a new point of view as well. His name is Itamar Shafir. He's the CEO of Umbrella Micro Enterprises Incorporated. Umbrella is a platform powering thousands of small marketing agencies and people who want to build a marketing agency. He has an interesting past. Before Umbrella, Itamar was the founder and CEO of AppForma, which was an automated or is an automated marketing platform for small businesses that was acquired by Algamizer. AppForma was the first Facebook Innovation Competition Award winner. What's also exciting about Itamar is he's recently launched his own book, a new book called Building the Ultimate Marketing Agency, which is what we're going to be discussing today. There's so much more of the story and in addition, and in a moment, I'm going to invite him to share it himself. But for now, Itamar Shavir, come on in. The weather's fine. Hi, Adam. So excited to be here. Thank you for having me. All right. I read off a piece of your official bio because just the part that I shared was so impressive. I'm not sure I'm worthy to be in your presence, and this is my show. So <laughs> I didn't... So, I think that you'll be able to share some of this better than I can. Before we get into the whole topic of creating the ultimate marketing agency, let's take a step back and tell us a bit in your own words, a bit about your journey and what's brought you to where you are today, serving business creators from your intersection of your brilliance and your passion. Wow. Uh, you know what? I actually started, my first business was a marketing agency. Um, it was back in 2002, uh, 2003. So that's before we had so much knowledge online of, you know, and then excellent uh, teachers to teach us what to do. And it, it actually was also before Facebook, before a lot of online things. Yeah. And I started, um, it wasn't an agency. I started uh, a marketing startup called Shark Answers, which was another version on Google Answers. I don't know if Everybody here remembers, listeners remember what Google Answers was, but before Google was a very sophisticated algorithm, he paid that we could pay people uh, via Google to answer questions for us online. And then Google learned how to answer questions better than people. And now we have Google today. So we create another version of that, but it didn't really monetize. And then one of my partners suggested we start selling uh, data to businesses, large corporations, and we did. That kind of transformed into a secondary marketing research company, later into a content marketing company, and later into a full-blown marketing agency. 
so that was actually my first business for seven years. And um, I learned a lot that time. 2006, 2007, Facebook come, uh, came out. We started building yep. Facebook marketing apps. You remember that? Yes, I remember those days. <laughs> so Facebook marketing apps to do anything on Facebook, coupons, sweepstakes, you had to build an app. You had to, um, you had to uh, pull a lot of connections to become an advertiser on Facebook. It was an invite only. We started doing that and we spin that off into an automated marketing company called Forma, which I invested all my time in. Um, after that acquire, was acquired, I, um, I, I dove into my journey in the entrepreneur space, gig economers, uh, biz up, however we want to call it, basically build a business uh, on your own, which um, I'm very passionate about working with entrepreneurs. And I, you know, I can go on and on, but basically yeah. that's what brought me into Umbrella, which is essentially a turnkey solution to starting or scaling a marketing agency. Fantastic. Fantastic. So the next thing that we want to know here is, you know, let's just sort of dive into this. What have been, and let's start with you and then we can branch out if you wish to just some of what you see in your work with folks, some of the main challenges to starting an agency or a business or a startup and how you would recommend people overcome them. Yeah. So I, I think, I think there are several building blocks that every successful business needs and obviously an agency as well. So it's usually some sort of branding, which creates trust, which allows you to sell to people, right? It's uh, some sort of client getting mechanism. It's the ability to fulfill a product with a unique selling proposition and still have good margins. Otherwise, you expedite your death. The operations in place to scale that company yep. and, um, and obviously mindset, but I wouldn't call it, a, it's a business tool definitely for an entrepreneur, but it's not in the business itself. It's it's, it's mandatory for an entrepreneur. And I think a lot of people that are trying to build businesses, especially a marketing agency, you're wearing so many hats. I think yeah. that's one of the issues. And you don't have a clear focus on growing your business because you are the guy going around trying to prospect and sell, the guy providing the service as well. Uh, or the gal, right? Um, trying to hire people. Once you scale a little bit, uh, your first two hires are not good, costing you money. Uh, you you are pulled in so many directions as a HR manager, CEO, marketing manager, and fulfiller that you have a huge defocus. And I wanted to empower entrepreneurs to focus just on one thing: learn how to communicate the value of what you sell. And we'll take care of everything else for you. I think there's sort of a critical mass point that businesses find themselves in. And they may find themselves there more than one time where things are starting to pick up with their revenues, their profits, they're getting clients and such. And they're at that point where they're getting a good amount of business in, but it's not quite enough where they can comfortably build either the team or the outsourcing network that can truly propel them forward in terms of not only the available revenues, but also the available time to download the institutional legacy. Do you know what I'm talking about? Definitely. That's a critical moment. Um, it's, it's indeed, um, that's the second issue. You know, if, if I mentioned the difficulties with starting up, you're talking about the, the difficulties with scaling, and that's a very problematic place to be in. Um, and it really depends what business you have, because you I know businesses that have five people and their profit margin um, is 75%, and they have very little moving pieces. And then you have people who have an agency that is basically... It doesn't have to be an agency, but an agency is an example that is churning water, right? right? Has a lot of moving pieces, has a lot of people maybe making high revenues, not exactly profiting, not really beneficial for the entrepreneur and not enough money to put everything in, in the right place. And I think, again, it all comes from defocus. 
Um, I'll, I'll give you an example. Okay. Yeah. So let's say um, I'm, I'm, I'm where you at, right? I'm, I'm where I'm exactly where, where you mentioned before. Uh, I'm, I'm doing well. Um, I have some money coming in. Maybe I'm mid six figures. Maybe I'm early seven figures, whatever it is. And I have a little team, no A stars, no managers. I'm taking care of a lot of things. Yeah. And because I built my business with a defocus, I'm, I have 10 different services that I provide or 10 different solutions. And I'm working with five different personas. Yeah. And now I need to stop for a second if I really want to grow and say, okay, what's my 80-20 here? What's my 80-20 on my products? What's my 80-20 in my persona? Rechange focus and go at it again. There is really no choice because otherwise we're getting into a whirlwind uh, that doesn't end. Um, and I think, I, I think that's where, again, focus comes into play. Right, right. Yeah. So that is something that in my personal experience, having been through this, shall we say, grinder a couple times in my own various ventures can be difficult to identify sometimes. What is the 80 and the 20 or the 90 and the 10 or the 95 and the 5? And how do we identify where to spend our time. I think it's, I mean, it's easy to say, well, focus on the thing that you're brilliant at and outsource the rest. Okay. uh, That answers all my questions. Gee, thank you. I could have got that for free. So, so if we, if we want, if we want a full answer, we need, we need a focus question, right? Same thing. So if, if we want to answer, we need to decide with real live examples, uh, we need to decide what business we're going to talk about. Um, it's definitely different if you're trying to build a restaurant or if you're trying to build a law firm or if you're trying to build a marketing agency. Marketing agency being closer to a law firm than a restaurant, many things. Um, I think that I think that most people would recognize the 80-20 um, they just don't take the time to really work at it. Um, if So let's talk about two aspects. One, let's say you're already in that grinder. You're probably not taking the time to work on your 80-20 because you're chasing after money that you need to bring into the business every month because the machine costs you a lot of money. Right. You have no, you can't, you have to, uh, you have to focus and try to take the time to look at your data and your data would show you that the 80-20 on the products, that's easy. You will see what services you sell more. Then you can look at your CRM and you can see, okay, who's my 80-20 buyers? And then after you have those two data sets, you define them. If you, it's hard for you to do it alone, get a coach. There are excellent business coaches online that been through this many, many times. It's worth Umbrella is not selling this, so I'm saying it without, you know, any any uh, any benefit uh, beside the fact that if you have a good business coach, even if it costs you five thousand dollars a month or three thousand dollars a month, within a few months he will put you exactly where you want to be because you need accountability, discipline, and somebody who went through this process already. So if, yeah. I think I think that's the easiest way of doing it: uh, working with somebody who went through this and knows exactly what to do. If you're a newbie and you're just starting out and you're not yet in the grinder, start out correctly. Like one of the first things that I, I talk with entrepreneurs, I just uh, went back uh, last month. I was in the marketing event in Orlando and I was on stage. And the first thing I started with is let's work on your LinkedIn title. You, you see a lot of people in their LinkedIn title. It says, uh, I'm a marketing expert. I'm a marketing agency. I'm a marketing agency in Texas. So what? Like you have like 500,000 other people who are marketing agencies, marketing consultants, or, or who is your target audience? What's your niche and what's your hook? Like I'm, I get real estate brokers, excellent leads for free, right? That would yeah. be an actual definition of a market, what you do, and your hook. That will also define your business. 
So I think niching, thinking about your niche is an excellent tool to decide how to focus on your business. Right, right. That makes a lot of sense. Now, you, we're touching on differentiation. I think that's a good place to go next. It's my belief that there is absolutely nothing new under the sun whatsoever. And we can discuss this a bit more, but I want to hear from you first. My contention is part of how you deal with that has to do with how you name your terms. But to you, uh, and in your experience, how can agencies differentiate themselves in such a commoditized ecosystem? Again, I don't think there's really anything that's radically new that can be created anywhere under the sun at this point. So I think differentiation can come in two ways. One is a product differentiation. As an example, one agency can come and say, okay, um, uh, I do SEO better than everybody else, which is exactly like what other agencies are saying. And another agency can come and say, I'll get you on the first page of Google. You don't pay a dime. That's a USP, right? That's a unique selling proposition. Right. Other people are not saying it. I'll put you on the first page and only then you pay me. Now, you have to see if you can actually meet that USP, but it's different. So one is a product offering. The second uh, differentiation is, again, niching. So you're the real estate marketer. You're the pediatrician marketer. You're the guy that uh, gets uh, the customers to all the plastic surgeons in LA. If you niche down, you become an expert in a niche. You get more referrals in that niche. You get more testimonials in that niche. And you actually get better at providing services in that niche. Later on, you can expand to other niches but that would give you your initial differentiation. There are more people that say they do marketing than people that say that they're the best in doing marketing for real estate brokers or, you know, <laughs> dentists. Yeah. So those, I think, are the two main aspects that you can come with, a product USP and a niche factor. Well, here's, here's my thought on it. And this, I have a couple actual thoughts on this. The first is... When I used to have a marketing agency of my own, let's go back like 10 years or so, uh, which was somewhere kind of wedged between the website development firm and the website conversion consulting firm. It's kind of interesting how this all fit in there. I would occasionally get folks come to me saying, you know, I'm really just looking for a one-stop shop where I can get everything done. And my immediate request would be say, sorry, I don't think you fit here. (laughs) <laughs> say what yeah it's why would you put why would you put everything in one basket what if your relationship sours over something one day or you put you do all of your outsourcing and all or all of your team building to one company and it just either decides it doesn't want to be in that business anymore or just doesn't want to serve you or some conflict out of nothing ruins the whole relationship or one of you begins working with the other's competitor and then you get conflict of interest things. There's a hundred things that could go wrong with that. And we, why would you, why would you even trust that? Uh, that, that just doesn't even make sense to me. The other thing that I like to bring up and I share this from stages, I share this on podcasts, both my own and when I'm a guest on other people's shows is I will, I will point out that there's something, and Itamar, you may have this in your business as well. In fact, I suspect you probably do. If you have it, you should probably get rid of it because you neither need nor want it. You know what it is? What is it? Traffic to your website. (laughs) What the hell do you want traffic to your website for? (laughs) Let's let's play a little game here. Um, Define for me, what is traffic? (sighs) I, you're asking me the traffic? Yeah, I'm asking what, you, what, what is traffic what, for me. What, what, what is, we don't send traffic? so much traffic. We have a more holistic uh, marketing approach. We have our own squeeze pages for specific campaigns, and then we have an overall branding uh, marketing, uh, an overall branding campaign. Uh, but traffic to the website, you know, interest people that uh, have shown interest by clicking on an ad, or depending if you're doing SEO, you know writing the relevant term in Google and coming to your website and meeting a relevant service. Wow. That's fantastic. What is website? 
a website is a place that uh, showcase your offering, your brand uh, that allows the, the user getting there to, to, to become, to, to, to trust you more, digest content that trust you more and take action on something, whether a step or an actual sell or book a call or read more content and then another touch point. It's a conversion unit, if you will. Okay, you've actually done better with the questions, what is traffic and what is website, than a room with 100 people in it that I did this exercise with a couple of months ago who could not define those terms. But yet everybody's supposed to get traffic to your website. It's the lifeblood of your business. Okay, bullshit. You can't even define it. What the hell do you need it for? <laughs> so get rid of traffic to your website. It's dumb. It's stupid. It's holding you back. Instead, I encourage entrepreneurs, business owners, agency owners to attract visitors to their web pages who align with the three P's of website conversions, pre-qualified, prepped, and pumped, which you alluded to in your description of traffic. So what I've done is I've simply renamed it. I've used a combination of nomenclature and provocation marketing, like tell people get rid of traffic to your website. Well, what, what is this? Yeah. Well, okay, okay, yeah. yeah. And, <laughs> and then they can't even define traffic and website. Okay, yeah, I'm supposed to believe it's necessary, but attracting visitors to a web page who align with the three P's of website conversions, pre-qualified, prepped, and pumped. Now we have acronyms and alliteration combined with provocation marketing and contrarian marketing. To me, that's differentiation. Definitely. But uh, you, you, you went an extra step from the obvious you're very creative, right? You're very experienced and you have been through, because of your experience and because of your creativity, you are able to use those two tools to create something new that defines you. But what would you do if I take you 10 or 15 years back before you became an experienced, talented marketer and told you, okay, now you need to create a differentiation. Before that, well, back then I would have, this kind of would have gone back to what we alluded to earlier in our conversation. I would have wanted to know, differentiate what? <laughs> where, where do I start? You're, you know, you're throwing these 80-20 buzzwords at me. What the hell does that mean? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So you obviously, so I, I agree with you. Um, once you have, obviously you need, if you need some talent, on the creative side, and you need to go through years of marketing experience to be able to uh, create those moments like you uh, did with that uh, with that crowd. But I think when you get when when you start, at the minimum, you need to train yourself a little bit, right? You can't right. really move from the logistics industry, for example. I remember we had a a, a member. She was a wonder. She she is a wonderful lady, and she was probably a good manager on corporate. But she didn't have much marketing experience and, you know, just learn the ABC of it. Start with marketing 101, branding, differentiation, USPs, 80-20, traffic, types of marketing tools. You have to go through that training, even if it takes you a month to even start to understand the ecosystem that you're in. And then after um, you can start uh, and, and, and you can start building and, and focusing on the niche that you want. Yeah, well, that makes a lot of sense. And I, to me, I don't think there is any substitute for the actual experience of going through it. Anybody can give you a guide and say, take these steps, but until you've taken them for yourself and come to understand it viscerally for your own business, it's really not going to resonate. Because I've tried to just do what somebody told me to do, and it ended up taking me places I didn't want to go. Uh, but you do. So it, I, I think, again, I think you, at the end of the day, you do need to start somewhere, right? You have to. Yeah. So 
if you don't have, for example, if you never built a web, there are two types of people, for example, that come into Umbrella ecosystem. You have, uh, you have creators, people who have some sort of uh, marketing fulfillment experience. So they know how to build a website, for example, or they know how to do a PPC campaign or an SEO campaign, yeah. or they know some other vertical marketing service. And that's all they know. And they kind of want to expand. So it's much easier for them to start because they have spent time in the marketing niche. And then you have, we call the other type communicators, meaning they're good at selling to other people. They're good at communicating value. What they like to do is talk with other people, go to events, right. go to networking events, but they don't know how to fulfill anything. And they have never fulfilled any type of marketing service in the past. You know, maybe a little bit for their own business here and there. They know what SEO is, but haven't done anything themselves. Uh, and these guys, you can laser focus them on selling verticalized services pretty fast, like a salesperson, if you give them, if you take them through, through some through some training. But I totally agree with you. It won't be after a few months into their experience with the market, actually communicating the different marketing solutions, actually having conversations, actually going through onboarding, actually going through a bad situation with a customer when they really get into the groove of it. But that's what it takes building a business, right? You, you, you have to start, then you fumble a little bit, and then you get better. Absolutely. So there are a few buzzwords or buzz phrases we see when it comes to agencies and agency marketing that you mentioned to me in the green room before we got started. I want to go through a few of these. Let's start with the term fractional CMO. So what is the difference between a marketing agency and a fractional CMO, which is candidly something we've covered on this show before, but I want to get your thoughts on it. So for me, a a fractional CMO is a marketing consultant. And the difference between a fractional CMO and a marketing consultant and an agency is they just consult the business on what they should do. So they're the strategize, they, they strategize and maybe uh-huh. they even plan. Right. But an agency strategize, plan, and implement. They're also the powerhouse of fulfillment. So if I'm a fractional CMO, I go to the business, I say, okay, what have you done before with your marketing? Great. I think you should do this and this. This is my three-month marketing campaign for you. Go at it. Or I can help you find some resources to do it. An agency comes and says, this is my plan. I'm going to do it for you now because I'm also the fulfiller. That's the only difference. All right. But today we have agency 2.0, which is actually a marketing consultant that masquerades as an agency because it has the firepower of an agency via outsourcing. Okay. So you have a person that doesn't have employees, doesn't have the heavy weight of an agency, doesn't have a website guy and a funnel guy and a traffic guy. And I'm, I'm sorry I'm saying guy all the time. It's, it's going to be a traffic gal. It's just uh, the way I, I speak, obviously. I'm pro uh, everybody coming into the marketing space. You sure? A hundred percent. Yeah. <laughs> um, and, and so... An agency used to have all that. That's really heavyweight. That created a lot of issues for an agency owner. It's a heavy lift. But today, the marketing industry is very uh, reseller primed, meaning you have a lot of great fulfillers that will do white label fulfillment for you. And it's hard initially to find who are the good ones, who are the bad ones, who you can get good margins from, who you can't, especially when you're getting started because you don't have any buying power. So why would somebody give you good wholesale prices? But if you play your card right, um, then you can actually come to a business, say, I'm going to strategize for you. I'm going to build your plan and then I'm going to fulfill it. And you're not the actual fulfiller, but you're like, you know, the architect that work with a contractor that works with the builders and you're making money on the entire ecosystem and the entire funnel of services. Yeah. Okay. That makes, that makes a lot of sense. And then there's another thing that you wanted to cover here. And again, we're just going through some of your points to make sure we get to as many as possible. There's also the SaaS business model. And one of the questions that comes up is, is that a ripoff? I don't think so. I think, I think the repoff is the promise. 
I think if you right. if you if you come to to people and say yeah start selling SaaS and you know you're gonna have a six figure business within three months and you know forget about it it's not gonna happen for many reasons one of the reasons is stat ha- SaaS on average has a churning uh, a churn of about 50 percent uh, a year and second is SaaS is usually low a low, low ticket item so let's say you You sell uh, website accessibility widgets. They would range between 500 to a thousand dollars a year. You can, can sell you, a ton of them. Right, right. So what do you mean by wex, website accessibility widget? I mean, I know that that's uh, just so I understand for myself. Oh, so um, you have uh, t- today, um, well, in some states it's mandatory, some states it doesn't depending if you're if you're part of the ninth district or not, but Uh, basically the the ninth district uh, Supreme Court ruled that all websites must be ADA compliant uh, meaning according with the American Disability Act which means that if somebody has uh, a site issue a hearing disability a physical disability you need to build your site in the way that caters to them and that falls under uh, the wasag uh, 2.0 um, Uh, not policy um, structure uh, which tells you how to build a website that helps people with these disabilities digest your content for example right. building a website in a way um, uh, a software uh, a, a blind person software can read the website well it goes into the website structure uh, and it's not too far from doing a very good SEO work on a website. Yeah. just need to take other things into consideration so uh, an ADA widget uh, excuse me a website accessibility widget would be a widget sitting on top of that uh, website trying to understand the content of the website and manipulating it for example having a button that says read me the website having a button that allows you to increase or decrease the size of the fonts in the website having yeah. a button that stops all animation on the website or flickering. Uh, so that's an ADA widget. You have uh, a lot of uh, great companies today like uh, Equal Web, like Accessibee, uh, great companies, excellent solutions. They do automated and manual remediation. A manual remediation can be anywhere from five to $50,000. But the widget itself, which most businesses get to just to get, you know, not to get sued uh, and provide some sort of accessibility, Uh, would range somewhere between 50 to 150 bucks a month yeah that's it and let's say you you make 50 on it right then you're making between 25 to 75 dollars a month great that's great but if you want to make let's say ten thousand dollars a month and you sell something that makes you 50 bucks a month then you need uh you need to sell 20,000 units that's you know you Excuse me, then you need to sell 2,000 units. Still a staggering amount of, of, of customers. Oh, my so, God. Yeah. I mean, you gotta, you've got to <laughs> cast a pretty wide net for that. Now on, the one, now, on the one hand, what I like about it is these types of things, they are one-to-many type services. Somebody subscribes to the service and they use it. Or maybe it's a widget or maybe it's a plug-in or something along those lines so that everybody uses the same thing. And you just send through updates every so often whenever there are new releases of, say, let's say if it's a WordPress plugin, the WordPress core is updated and they need to update the plugin to match some change of the core. Well, you just send that through to everybody and they push a little button that says update. So you don't have to deal with a lot of individuals but this, you know, at an individual level. But at the same time, you need a lot of individual clients or purchasers to, To make that model sustainable a hundred percent so not all widgets are 50 bucks some are two hundred dollars a month some are three hundred dollars a month but if you take on average that you make uh, you know 50 percent then even if you make even if you sell something that cost a hundred and fifty dollars a month or even two hundred dollars a month then you still need a thousand clients on an ongoing basis to make ten thousand dollars a month so you I would say SAS is an excellent hook supplemental for an agency. An agency could get to two to ten thousand dollars a month with ten cl- with ten good clients. 
with 10 okay clients. Um, and the wrapping that client with additional SaaS, not only that, for example, business listings, that's an ongoing SaaS. Uh, website um, uh, AI chatbots, which really helps with conversions, especially for websites that have very bad uh, see very bad call for action or very bad structure, then uh, an AI chatbot can be really, you know, the, the best converting unit that that business ever saw. You can add, start adding all these things together and you can get to a few hundred dollars per client per month. Uh, but you still need a lot of clients if it's, that's your only business. If it's yeah. a supplemental, it's great. It's a hook and it's additional money. If it's just what you do, just take into consideration, you need a very strong acquisition funnel. Right. What also occurred to me is the thought of, okay, so this is great. So you have the SaaS model and you're selling a widget or a software or an app and you're getting $500 a year profit off of that, for example. So Mike, so then I think you allude to this actually. That's great. Now what's the gateway drug? How do we how do we take some of these purchasers and turn them into high ticket clients? Right. So some solutions, right, have their immediate funnel. So if you do, if you sell a, a, an AI chatbot, then you suggest, okay, let's customize that chatbot specifically for you, for your business. Let's add uh, more scripts to it. Let's add, let's teach it, you know, let's teach it NLP uh, faster. And that setup or that service can cost a few thousand dollars, three, five thousand dollars that you can make on that client. Uh, the same thing with uh, ADA widgets or website accessibility widgets, you can do, okay, that's great that you got the widget, but that would take you 50, 60 percent there. If you really want to be completely um, ADA compliant, 100 percent, then you need manual remediation, which for your small website is seven thousand dollars or $10,000 and you can pay in five payments and you know we'll take care of everything for you and we'll even give you a warranty if you get sued. By the way, talking about uh, USBs, uh, EqualWeb, for example, gives a $1 million warranty against lawsuits if they do the manual remediation for you. Wow, Just that, an- that, that, that is certainly something. That goes back to something you alluded to earlier. Uh, the difference between we're an SEO firm Versus we'll get you on the front page of Google before you pay a dime. Yeah. And that's that's an, an insane difference. You go into a room, you know, the, the guy that says we'll get you on the first page of Google, you don't pay a dime, is going to close a lot of sales. And the guy that says, I, you know, I do SEO, <laughs> probably less. Um, so, yeah, product USBs are really important. Uh, and w- w- we put a lot of emphasis on that. Yeah, it reminds me of a funny story. And Unfortunately, some of this actually used to happen until the market got wise to it. Let's go back to that USP of we'll get you on the front page of Google before you pay a dime. That's all well and good. But then the question becomes, for what? So I've heard of cases where the SEO firm would make their clients number, the number one provider of X, whether it's website development, uh, pay-per-click advertising, life coaching, hypnotherapy, whatever it is. And they would pick some random ghost town. <laughs> I mean, like literally a ghost town that nobody living in it. Like, uh, like you become the number one hypnotist in Centralia, Pennsylvania. Yeah, five people live there. Uh, <laughs> completely. Look, most that guarantee, for example, we provide that guarantee. We'll get you on the first page of Google. We don't pay a dime. It's local SEO, but obviously you need to do it in the locale that of the client that you serve, and you need to do it for keywords that the client really needs. Yeah, people now, got people got burned on that uh, because some early adopters took advantage of them, and they didn't know to ask that question. Number one for what? You have a lot of uh, ripoffs in the SEO industry. It's so. It's the problem is it's prime for this. It's a service that basically, if you go to any normal agency, they'll tell you, okay, it's a minimum six months commitment, yep. minimum $2,500 a month. And I don't guarantee you're getting on the first page of Google because I'm not Google. So it's kind of a best effort service. And that uh, allowed a lot of you know people that either are 
actually scammers or just don't have what it takes to do a good SEO campaign come into that niche and burn a lot of people. Uh, and you also have companies that kind of play games with the first page. I agree. So for example, they say, uh, pay a uh, paper result SEO. You just pay for results. And then you go into the service and you see that they actually charge you just from moving the keyword from one page to another. So if you're in page 10, they move you to page nine, you pay something. Page eight, you pay something. Page, se- page seven, you pay something. But it doesn't really matter until you get to page one because nobody is going to see you after page one, like almost nobody. Um, so yeah, I agree with you. It's, 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 a problematic, uh, it's a problematic industry, sub-industry, the SEO. That's why you need to work with very good providers if you're not doing the SEO yourself. And if you're doing the SEO yourself, you need to be very good. Well, cer- certainly. Uh, so again, what I'm getting from you is that the, the SaaS model is not necessarily a ripoff, but what I'm getting from you is the way to properly approach it is you have the SaaS model and then what? A hundred percent. Right. Or, or then what? And on top of that, the SaaS model. Exactly. Precisely. I'm, I'm with you here. So in your experience, and this is a very broad inquiry. So I'm going to start broad and allow you to narrow it however you like. Why do so many entrepreneurs fail when just a few succeed when we look at the statistics? Wow. Um, that's, a, that's an excellent question. I think, uh, and it's very hard to answer. Um, be- there are a lot of differentiations. I think one of the main issues, at least that I see with a lot of newbies is mindset. I think people don't really, people that have not been entrepreneurs before, don't fully understand the amount of energy and time that is required to get them to a place where they can live on the money that they're making. I think that's one main issue. Second issue, they might be great, great talents, but they're horrible managers. You know, you you have these, in all industries, not just agencies, you you have a guy that is, an excellent cook. Like he, he makes the best. He's an excellent chef, but he's not a good manager. So his restaurant might crumble because it's all about marketing. Once you have a business, you need to get clients. Right. Um, and so, or you, so you, you have those issues, I think. So first off, they don't really understand and they don't have the mindset and the will to actually make it, which sometimes can take a year until you, or more until you get to, the same income that you made in your in your job before you left it to open your business, whatever it is. Um, and if, if you're really making the first time transition. And I think the stats don't show second timers and third timers entrepreneurs. And I think they make much better choices, meaning people have cycles. They try, they fail, they go back to being an employee. Then they try again. When they come back again with their second business, it's easier for them. They understand the issues more, and then they have better success. Uh, but first-timers, it's definitely a miscalculation and uh, lack of business experience, I think, more than anything else. Yeah, I, I can't disagree with any of that, really. And... You know, I like myself, like so many of our listeners, so many entrepreneurs out there didn't really go into it with a specific roadmap or a specific plan above and beyond. We started something. We got some clients for it who were willing to uh, take a chance on us. We did well with it. And we branched into some other things and learned as we went along. My original iteration in business 20 years ago is I created a small company that was designed to provide research and logistical support for independent training and development firms, like, hmm. uh, you know, like training development, like corporate training, that sort of yeah. thing. And uh, that sort of morphed into, I, I mean, I blinked one day and suddenly I was in the website development business, which, <laughs> uh, okay. And, uh, and then after I got out of it in 2011, I had to spend seven more years explaining to the marketplace that I was no longer in it. <laughs> I, 
I think it's it's not far from it's we had different companies, but it's not far from the roadmap that happened to me. Um, I but you see, I think today a lot of entrepreneurs start differently, meaning they make a conscious choice uh, or they're getting shoved to it, fired or some sort of other life-changing event. Right. And then they make a very conscious choice and they're saying to themselves, okay, I'm going to work now on becoming an entrepreneur. Also remember that back in the day, there wasn't a flood of endless advertising and videos from endless <coughs> companies, good yeah. and bad, about opening your independent business. Like today you have anybody who is searching for create an online business or work from home business will start getting endless ads about building everything from micro franchises to starting an e-com store to making money as an affiliate to having your eBay shoe upsell, whatever, to being a YouTube uh, something to like bombarded uh, gig economy. What didn't exist the way it is now, 15 years ago. Today, I think people are much more primed for entrepreneurial education and directing themselves by attaching themselves to some sort of program that has an A to Z path. And that changes how, how well they can succeed, uh, not tremendously, but it can optimize their chances by at least 10%, I think. Well, I bet you that we have about five minutes left here. I bet you within five minutes, I start getting some of those ads. <laughs> I, 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 would like, I would like to say I'm kidding, but I have been amazed how I've seen advertising and even just all of a sudden the algorithms favoring posts that are in a line with something I was just thinking about. hundred percent. It's listening, right? Your mobile phone is near you or even your computer. Uh, if one of your uh, background, you know, FB or, or Google apps are open and probably yeah. Google is. And now they know, right? That we're talking about opening an eBay business. So definitely it's, it's, so it, it, it's a completely different ecosystem today. Not only young folks, but a lot of our members are 35, 40 years old. Um, it's not the first job. But the, the amount of people that have changed their Change mindset their mind. to saying, okay, you know what? Maybe I don't need a job. Maybe I can become independent. Maybe I can make it on my own. Uh, I think has grown tremendously. It used to be, it's, it's, it's a lower barrier today, much more competition, but a lower barrier of entry. Yeah, you are really doing a number on what I'm going to be seeing on my SERPs and my social scrolls for the rest of the day. Thank you very much. <laughs> I guarantee you that within 10 minutes, we're going to be talking. I'm going to be uh, receiving at least three opportunities to start an eBay business. I can see it happening already. Maybe you should try one. I don't know. But uh, <laughs> yeah, but that's that's a point. So we're actually like right near the top of our time here. And what I do want to do is I want to make sure that folks know a few things about you. Uh, first of all, they should definitely visit your website, which is at www.umbrellaus, if I'm pronouncing that correctly. UmbrellaUS.com. UmbrellaUS.com. All right. Uh, so that is your unique marketing platform. And I do encourage everybody to check that out. It covers things from fulfillment to appointments to branding, training. There's so much there. I've had a chance to check it out a bit myself, uh, aside from the fact that I really love your color scheme. I just have to say it's a really attractive color scheme. I think that there are a lot of potential different ways that you can assist folks when it comes to starting and growing their agencies. You also have a really great podcast of your own. I encourage people to check out great podcasts called the, um, the Marketing Umbrella Podcast. Furthermore, I would like to make sure our listeners are aware, as I mentioned earlier, that you have recently launched a book on this topic called Building the Ultimate Marketing Agency. And I myself am going to have to 
add that to my library and read it at some point. I'm always looking for some great additional knowledge, something that brings me even just one centimeter closer to my intersection, to my brilliance and my passion. Because we find the aha moments when we either look for them or invite them. So with that, uh, before we wrap up here, I just wanted to ask you one final question in Amar, if you may. And that is for somebody right now who is looking to overcome those challenges to starting an agency, starting a business, starting a startup, and they are in that situation where they don't know what questions to ask, they don't even know if there are questions to ask, and they don't even know how to begin inquiring about the resources, the knowledge, and the support that's out there. In other words, the same place I was when I started, where a lot of other people started. What would you say to them today? Well, so if they really don't know what type of business they want to get into, meaning they, they have no idea if they want to be an agency or they want to be, you know, sell a cosmetics as an e-com store, then um, they first need to do an internal journey to build their business on top of their experience and passion. Uh, that is my suggestion. Once they have some sort of direction, I think you research on Google. Now, like you said before, you might get hit by endless amount of advertising about starting businesses in specific niches. Don't jump into the first one you see. Keep researching, learn more, digest some content. And then once you're ready, I do recommend joining some sort of program because uh, a lot of people have already been through what you have been through. They're smart, they're knowledgeable, and they can't replace real life experience, but they can make it easier and more formulated. Right, right. Perfect, perfect. Well, Itamar Shafir, thank you so much for being with us today. It's been an honor and believe me, an education. Thank you so much, Adam. I really appreciate it. Thank you for having me. We trust you enjoyed today's episode of the Business Creators Radio Show. Check out our previous and upcoming episodes on our website at www.businesscreatorsradioshow.com. While you're there, be sure to subscribe via your favorite network so you get fresh episodes delivered straight to you. Until next time, have a great day. Take care.